You're listening to the NFL on TuneIn. It's No Huddle with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Let's spotlight Colin Kaepernick, other salient stories across the league with Dominique Foxworth, the former NFL quarterback, now a thoughtful commentator for ESPN, ESPN Radio, and the Undefeated. Dominique, thanks so much for taking the time. I happen to be in San Francisco today, so I was thinking about what Eric Reed of the 49ers said a week ago, and you'll recall Reed took a knee next to Kaepernick last year. Is Reed correct in saying that the original message of Colin Kaepernick's protest has been lost based on what we've been seeing recently at NFL stadiums? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's definitely obvious that the message has been kind of changed a bit, and I mean, it's unfortunate to me. It, but I, I think it's also important to know that I guess Colin Kaepernick didn't, doesn't necessarily own the idea of a anthem demonstration. Like, it goes back to John Carlos and Tommy Smith and and um, there have been some in the NBA. I think it was Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf. I mean, all of those protests did have one thing in common, is that they were about um, addressing injustices. So I do think that while nobody owns the protests or the demonstration, it is unfortunate that it seems that the demonstrations have gone away from talking about fighting for equality and more about talking about uh, unity and and just doesn't seem to necessarily address what with anybody, I mean, uh, calling for unity and saying that uh, I think David Carr said black kids and white kids can play together, like that doesn't necessarily accomplish anything. Not only does it, and it certainly distracts from uh, what Kaepernick was trying to bring attention to. And I mean, that that's that's the, the frustrating part of it all for me is is seeing that everyone is, is doing the same thing from what we see, but yet when it comes down to what they're kneeling for, it's, it's pretty tough, but I want to talk about the Tennessee Titans and what's going on there with their quarterback and Marcus Mariota. He's out potentially. Uh, you have Matt Castle, who we've known struggled since he left New England, to now all of a sudden they end up grabbing Brandon Wheaton as opposed to even giving <laughs> yeah. Colin Kaepernick a chance. Back to Colin Kaepernick yeah. again. Give me a take on that, Dominique. And again, yeah. uh, glad to have you on the show, bro. Thanks for having me. But I'm not. Um... If there was anybody out there who was holding out the belief that it was because Kaepernick can't play was the reason that he has a job, I think this is the final kind of straw to make that kind of official that he's out of the league because he took a knee and um, owners didn't like that because uh, there's no reason. Like, I, I'm not going to jump on um, Castle and Wheaton. Like, their records are out there um, and their play has been out there. But I do think that the major point here is his style of play, Kaepernick's style of play is – very similar to Marcus Mariota. So in order to kind of pick up where you left off and not miss a beat and run a lot of the same type of plays, I think Colin Kaepernick is is a smart choice. So it is unfortunate that I don't know what it is down there, if it's the fear of the backlash or it's just their own personal views of, of, of management down there. But it's unfortunate that they're putting those things ahead of giving what is a very good team with a great O-line. The defense is struggling, but they're talented. Uh, they're putting their kind of personal beliefs ahead of putting their team in the best position to win, and that will be frustrating for me as a player and, and as a fan. Dominic Foxworth of ESPN is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Cordell loves it when I mention I'm a Stanford grad. I only bring it up because I'm a big fan of Richard Sherman personally and professionally. So I saw you on Highly Questionable this week discussing Sherman's observation that fantasy football may have caused some fans to view players as commodities in their lineup. For our listeners who didn't see the program, could you give us a few more thoughts on that item? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that Richard is right that players are viewed as commodities, but I don't think that that's new necessarily. Like Richard and I are, are good friends, but and we agree on a lot of things. But I disagree that fantasy football has done that. I think every Sunday that we sit down and watch the games and watch how I mean, you can look at 
Junior Seau, and uh, I mean, you can go through the long list of guys who we've experienced how bad CTE impacts them, and we all still go watch the game. So I think you kind of have to separate and dehumanize the players uh, to continue to watch the game. So I don't necessarily think fantasy football is the problem. I just think that part of it is it's just how how we how we're built as as people. I think in order to enjoy a game that's so violent and so dangerous that there are cars out with a broken spine and uh, I think a fracture in his spine and um, the old lineman from Seattle who has a bruised heart. Like it's injuries that I've never even heard exist before. Like they happen to the players and we, they caught them off the field and we keep watching. So I think the dehumanization of the players is something that's been going on for a long time. And fantasy football, I think might bring to the forefront, but hasn't like created that culture. You play with the Baltimore Ravens and, Understanding the culture of that of that organization was was derived around emotions, and 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 I say it in a way where it also brought passion to the table. You know, it all started with Ray Lewis and and his approach with with how guys need to play amongst one another. You you get a good thing going on defense for sure. It's almost like figuratively tasting blood. You just constantly keep attacking. Well, right now they're not playing that type of football. Last couple of weeks they've struggled. Uh, you hear Steve Bashotti mentioning about the quarterback position needs to play better. Give me your take on how this team looks, but mainly Joe Flacco and how his inability to be able to be the one uh, that we've seen play very well at times. He seemed like he's been pretty average as of lately. Yeah, I, I played with Joe. I, I liked him. I thought he was going to be a Super Bowl champion quarterback. That's something that uh, not very many people can say, and he had good stats on that run, but outside of that playoff run, and a few um, games here or there, he hasn't been all that great, and this year has been very disappointing. I think the defense has been playing tremendously well, uh, with the exception of that London game. Things weren't pretty out there, but the defense has been playing well. But I don't know. It's I'm not the guy who's normally going to point the finger at, at players necessarily, because I think far too many people in the media kind of take that easy route when there's so many other things going on. They just say, hey, this guy sucks, but there are other things that go into the, the equation. But Joe Flacco's been through quite a few offensive coordinator so at some point I, I think we do have to look at him and wonder if it's something about his skill set in finding a match that works for him but the problem with uh trying to throw joe under the bus is we do have evidence of him being a high level nfl quarterback you just can't do it consistently necessarily so i don't know that's kind of where i stand on joe i i, I hope to see he gets back to um to playing the way that he's played in the past but that running game is also a big part of the problem. And they lost Marshall Yonder, who, in my opinion, is the best guard in the league. But even before they lost him, they weren't running the ball all that well last season or this season. And I think Joe is not an Aaron Rodgers type where you can just give him the ball and get out the way and he'll carry your team. He's somebody who needs some support. And if they can't put together a running game to help him, I think that he's going to have, have trouble. And the last time he was really good, I think it was um, Kubiak was the coordinator. They were able to run the ball with that zone scheme. So, Maybe that's something they should uh, entertain going back to. Dominic, last one for me. You've been the president of the NFL Players Association, then crossed over as the COO of the Players Association in the NBA. How would you describe the current state of labor relations in football? There was a meeting this week between the two sides to discuss social activism. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, uh, I wish that I could give you some great insight from being in uh, those organizations, but I know what everyone else knows is that relationship is is in peril. Like it's in a bad state. There, there's no trust between the two sides of the NFLPA and the league. And I think oftentimes uh, the blame goes on D. Smith, executive director. And I think in some cases he deserves it, but uh, it also kind of takes two to tango. And I think some of the things that the 
league has done and Roger specifically, the way that they've handled things has kind of deteriorated the relationship. So obviously it seems as if neither of them are going, going anywhere anytime soon. And I'm not one that thinks that either of them should necessarily, but I do think that it's, it's bad. The current state of relationship is bad for the players and it's bad for the league. It's unfortunate that there can't be some way to build some sort of trust and, and move in a better direction because everyone will be happier from fans to players, to ex players, like, more efficient um, collaboration between the two because they both need each other at this point. And if they could fix that, I think things would be better for everyone in the league. So, no, it's unfortunate. It's disappointing. And I don't know that I see a path towards it improving anytime soon. Dominic, we appreciate the time and the insights. We both enjoy what you're doing on ESPN to keep it going. As we say goodbye, I read my academic resume a lot in the Cordell pushbacks and says, hang on, Stanford's not even an Ivy League school. Can you explain to my dear friend that the Ivy League is merely an academic conference? Don't do it. Don't do it, Dominique. Don't do it. Don't fall in that trap, Dominique. Dominique's a Harvard guy, for folks who don't know. Okay. I'm always going to side with Cordell on this one. Uh, He's absolutely right. All right, Dominique, we're never having you on the show again. That's a safe place to go. So if you ask me any questions, no matter what it is, I'm going to side with the former player. All right, Dominique. Good job, D. Call me when you go back to Cambridge in January, and I'm in Palo Alto at 75 and sunny, all right? All right, nice talking to you, Cordell. You've been listening to No Huddle with Brian Weber and former Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart live on the NFL on TuneIn. 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. The National Football League is on TuneIn.